0: Hollywood Live Extra with Tanya Hart.
1: My guest today is an American treasure. I'm talking about documentary filmmaker Stanley Nelson. He's here, and yes, his much-anticipated film on the life of jazz trumpeter and composer Miles Davis, Miles, The Birth of the Cool, is finished. It's in theaters. I've seen it. It's fabulous. Stanley, welcome to Hollywood Live Extra.
0: Uh, Thank you so much.
1: Oh, I really enjoyed this film, I have to tell you. So I I'm asking it like this. Is this your masterpiece so far in your mind?
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a really hard question. <laughs> Is this my masterpiece? I you know, I mean I, I like it. I like the film a, a lot. Um it's my latest film, so um yeah, I mean I, I tried to pour everything that I've learned in, in you know, forty years of filmmaking into into the film. Um, I'm a Miles Davis lover, and I, you know, I'm very happy with it.
1: Oh, you should be, because I'm a Miles Davis lover as well. And I think the thing that, that people... If, first of all, you obviously had access to everything in his estate. How did that happen? And, and tell me about the, the birth of, of the film.
0: Well, the, the first thing that we did when we started to try to make the film was go in and talk to his family and his estate and, and kind of get there okay. And that was scary, because I had to sit there and, you know, kind of impress <laughs> them that I was the right guy to make the film. But uh, they agreed, and we had uh, the complete cooperation of Miles' family. And then um, we went to Sony, who who owns a, a good deal of Miles' catalog, and, and uh, worked out a deal with Sony to use his music. Um, and then we got underway, and, and we just... Um, you know, found uh, so much footage and, and and stills and other things that were just around. You know, they a lot a lot of stuff didn't come from his estate; it came from here, there, and everywhere.
1: Wow. What? How long did it take you to put this together?
0: It took about three years. Um, uh, American Masters, the show on PBS, came in early as a funder, and another a company called Eagle Rock Entertainment out of London came in, and then we had a couple of. Investors that, that helped us out when we got close to being finished, but um, you know, uh, once we had the money, it was kind of you know full steam ahead.
1: Right, and and you did have some money to put this together because when I saw the Disney footage pop up in there, I'm like, oh, they ain't playing. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> you I'm know, playing? I mean, we, we, we uh, just just used whatever music that that we could could find and and wanted to use and. Whatever footage that we could find and wanted to use, and then tried to figure out how to pay for it. Um, you know, I think that's that's the way that, that I, I've made films for years, and usually it's worked out. Sometimes you know you get to, to somebody that that you just can't use their stuff, but you know we we worked out uh, deals with, with pretty much everybody, and we were able to use all the music throughout Miles's career. I think there's not yeah there's not one one piece in the in the film that we wanted to use that we weren't able to use. In terms of music And 99% of the, the, the footage That we wanted to
1: use We were able to use uh, I, and That's what I'm saying People, this is extraordinary I mean, Even if you don't know Who Miles Davis is And you know that. Maybe some of the younger people don't. This is something that everybody must see because it truly is a, a lesson in American musical history and actually American history, period, just because of the way it's laid out and all of the things that you learn. And everybody's Quincy Jones, Carlos Santana, Clive Davis, Wayne Shorter, Ron Carter, just a few of the folks who actually knew him, worked with him, and, and they talk about him, you know, in this too, which was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's one of the great things about the film. I mean, not only do they talk about them, but they, they're great, and, and so many of them are really funny, you know. I mean, oh, they are. Know, Miles, they're
1: hilarious. Miles is a real
0: character, and it's, it's hard to explain, but in, in many ways, the film's a comedy because they're, they're so funny uh, talking about Miles. But I think, it, you know, well, you had a great point that what the film finally, you know, uh, came to be was, you know, not just a film about a musician or music, it's, it's really a film about you know, the 20th century and, and, and Miles, you know, going, living through the 20th century as an African-American, you know, in, in, in the United States. Um, and so it really became something much bigger than just the story of of a musician.
1: Oh, it absolutely. Well, Miles actually was much bigger than the yeah. musician, yeah. if you think about I it. I mean, that was one I of the great things
0: about making the film, is that, you know, Miles is, he's such a complicated character and, you know, he's such an icon. You know, the music would have been enough, but, but Miles is so much more and, and and just, you know, again, such a complicated individual.
1: Right. Now, I'm going to tell you a story that was not in your film that you may not know about. Uh, the time that Miles Davis came to our house in in Boston, in Dorchester, <laughs> to watch a fight. <laughs> <laughs> And this was right around the time that he was in exile. And this is going to be in my book, by the way, but I'll share it with you and I'll put it on this podcast right now because I haven't told a lot of people about this. So Miles actually was, you know, as well you know, he wasn't going to play again. He was in exile and, and, you know, George Ween convinced him to come back. But Freddie Taylor, I'm sure you came across that Mm -hmm. name. We
0: interviewed Freddie Uh, Taylor. We actually interviewed him. You
1: didn't use him. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see Freddie. I was kind of surprised I didn't see Freddie. But anyway, Freddie and Miles were very good friends. And, Fred and uh, Freddie was my good friend. And so, long story short, Miles, nobody in Boston had cable TV. Freddie got the city of Boston to wire our entire neighborhood because that's what they had to do in time to make sure Miles could come to our house to watch the fight. Marvin Hagler. <laughs> wow, and that is a true story. Yeah, it's crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, was well, crazy. Miles was and, a
0: huge fight fan and and um one of the things we found was uh footage that his his great friend uh, uh Corky McCoy filmed of Miles a whole uh, whole bunch of footage that he had in his basement that he had filmed of Miles. And one of the things he did that we used as kind of a motif in the film is, is Miles' boxing. Um, yes, and, uh, that yes. that footage had never been seen by anybody before. I mean, literally, Corky had it in his basement along with a bunch of other footage that we
1: Wow. That, and you're right. That's how you find these great little gems of things. But you guys have done, you know, your company, uh, Firelight, you've been around since when, 2000, which is gee, yep. almost 20 years now. And you've you've turned out so many uh, just incredible documentaries telling the stories about our people and other people of color that, of course, would never have been told. Um Let's talk a little bit about that. What what do you think is so important about? Well, we know what's important about it, but what kind of impact has that had?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's really important. Our belief here that that you know that people should tell their own stories that that you know those, that makes those stories just that much richer and that much deeper. You know, we're not kind of surfing surfing on the top of of the water. You know, we're going down deep because we're part of that the, that story and part of that culture. Um, and so that's that's what we're trying to do. And I, I think. Um, you know the the impact has has been incredible because we've start we've worked with a ton of different filmmakers of color we have a a program, the the documentary lab and and we've uh, I think we have eighty graduates of the documentary lab, and these are people who have made their first feature film. Um, you know, these aren't college students, these are people in the industry of color who've been working in the industry, but you know might have been working as an associate producer or as a researcher or you know or even a producer of somebody else's film, but has never worked as directors and, and we have 80 different mm-hmm. 80 graduates of that You know, over the last... Wow! That program is about 10 years off, about 10 years we've had 80 graduates.
1: And if someone's interested, how would they apply for that?
0: Uh, if you go to uh, Firelight Media, you go to Firelight Media uh, info at Firelight Media, and you can find out all the information about the, about the lab. We just had our open call to give you an idea. We have, I think, eight slots. and We got two hundred and twenty applications, so it's 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 a, it's a very very competitive to to get in. But we have great films. Our our graduates and and people in the lab. I think we had three or four films at Sundance this year and, and won uh, two or three awards for. Uh, our films and, and uh, people who were uh, graduates of, of the lab. You have to the Sundance Film yeah. Festival this year.
1: Oh, excellent! You know, it has the film uh, festival junket sort of changed the way that people look and see documentaries. Because, you know, back in the day, I mean, we both, well, I don't know about you, but I think you started out at WGBH. That's where I started many, many years ago. And we used to do documentaries all the time. They were never profitable. It's just what we did. And, you know, people would see them and enjoy them. But now it's a huge business. It's a very profitable business profitable business. When did that change?
0: Well, I mean, I think it changed over the years. I think it changed for a number of uh, reasons. I think you're right. You know, Sundance did a great deal to change the way documentaries are looked at because at the Sundance Film Festival, documentaries are, are, are held in, in the same esteem as feature films. You know, they're given the same kind of premieres. They're given the same, you know, you're given the same goodie bag, you know, you know, mm, you're uh, right? you're <laughs> to the same parties, you know, it's it's they're, 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 they're the equals of, of, of fiction films. And I think one of the things that people started seeing is that, you know, documentaries are, are great, they expand the form, um, and that usually they're not, the filmmakers are, are not, um, you know, looking to, to cash in and, and make a zillion dollars at the end. So they're really films that are made, you know, out of passion, and, um, and, and that's, a, in some ways, that can be really different from what's coming out of, you know, traditional Hollywood, you know, and mm-hmm. so, and I think, you know, people, and then, in, the, in recent years you know you got Netflix and, and, and Hulu and Amazon and, and, and all those uh, streaming services that are that are now um, you know pumping out documentaries and people you know they, they see a documentary and they say oh my god you know this is this is something different it's not like the, you know uh, somebody droning on with an English accent over some shots of you know uh, dogs running around but it's, right. it's really different you know? um, <laughs> and so uh, you know then you want to watch another one and another one so they've become um uh, you know, almost sexy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh no, some of them are very sexy. I would imagine this one was sexy. Are you kidding me? I mean, really? If you think about it, it's very sexy because that's who Miles was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He was. I, I, he was, you know, he
1: was that it guy.
0: Yeah. 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 Miles. You know, Miles was probably the, one of the coolest guys that ever lived. You know, just you know, and 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 that's one that we talk about in, in the film. It's not only, again, the music. You know. Uh, which is, was always and is always cool but you know the 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 cars the ferraris uh, you know the lamborghinis uh the clothes the tailor-made suits and you know uh traveling around the world first grade demanded you know to travel you know first class and first class for for other musicians that he played played with um you know the beautiful women who were in the film um his first wife, Frances Davis.
1: Oh, Frances. Oh, my yeah, gosh. She steals the film. I mean, Frances just,
0: just takes the film, puts it under her arm, and runs away with it. And you know, she's oh. incredible. I mean, you know, if, if you're thinking about seeing the film, you should see the film just, just to see Frances, because she's just, it, you know, in, incredible in the film. She's so smart and so funny. And, uh, you know, um, was one of the most beautiful women in the world. Um for those Miles fans, she's on the cover of Someday My Prince Will Come. Uh, yes. That, that beautiful
1: picture of those friends. Oh, I know. And she is hilarious. I and mean, You're right. She really, it, it became her film with grace, but just so much humor. I mean, it was everybody that was in the theater where we saw, they would just it out over her because she's funny. And unfortunately, she just recently passed away, didn't she?
0: Yeah, she passed away um, last Thanksgiving. Um, and unfortunately, she didn't get a chance to... Uh, to see the film, um, but, you know, her last, her last uh, few weeks, uh, months or so, she spent in a, in a nursing home, and we made a scrapbook, because we had collected all these different articles and photos of her that, you know, she hadn't collected or had lost, you know, in, in time, and mm-hmm. so we made this beautiful scrapbook and sent it to her, and, and um, she, you know, she treasured that, you know, in, in the nursing home. It was just uh, beautiful for us to be able to do that.
1: Oh, wow. Well, the whole film is just incredible. And just so that people know, you're listening to Hollywood Live Extra. I'm Tanya Hart. My guest today is the one and only documentary filmmaker, Stanley Nelson. Uh, We're talking about Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool, which is his latest. I'm calling it a masterpiece because it really is that. I mean, it really is. What's up next for you? What are you working on now?
0: Uh, We're working on a a number of things, Um, a a big thing that we're working on is a film uh, on the Atlantic slave trade, it's uh, four hours that we're doing for PBS, we're just starting to film film it, Um, and uh, it's looking at the the trade, you know, in in human beings, and Mm -hmm. and, um, Mm -hmm. the economics of the trade, the business of the trade, you know, all the things that were set in place, shipping and, and insurance and banking. Um, you know, so the, it's a huge, huge project that we're really excited about. We've been kind of researching and, and getting it uh, ready to start shooting um, for a couple of years now. So it, it's huge. Um, but we, we, we're doing a, a, a bunch of different things. We just—I um, was just told that I could now talk about a, a film that that we're doing for ESPN on, on Michael Vick, uh, the football. Oh. Player.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the guy who got in trouble over the dog fighting
0: thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's with his cooperation, and, and uh, so we've done a number of interviews with Michael, and, and also um, the two guys who who were in the kind of the dogfighting thing with Michael have never really talked on camera before, and a bunch of other people. So we're, we're working on that, and that'll be that'll be done fairly
1: soon. Wow. Oh, I'm loving it. Well, Stanley, uh, you're always welcome to come and join us because you've always got great things to talk about. Now, I know this is going to air on PBS. It's been in film. I mean,
0: been in theaters already. And the best way to find out where it is is to go to milesdavismovie.com
1: and uh, come and let us know when you're about ready to talk about the, the the slavery film. Is it called Always in Season? Is that the one?
0: No, no, that, that, that that's 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 the film that came out of out of the lab. That's not my film. That's, oh, okay. That was a film that came out of the lab. That, that, Actually won a special jury prize at Sundance, so we're really proud of that film. And that film is also out now, but that's uh, that's the film that came out of last. Um, so we're loving that film. But uh, the the um, the the uh, slave, slave trade film is is called Creating the New World. Creating. Oh, okay. Now that, that'll be well, out. We will. in 2021, I believe.
1: Stanley Nelson, thank you for what you do. Thank you for being just you and and for telling these incredible stories. Please join us anytime.
0: Uh, thank you so thank much you for having me.
1: Much. And for everybody else, don't forget to subscribe to SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. Make sure you download all of the Hollywood Live Extras. You know you don't want to miss any of them. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review. I'm Tanya Hart. This is Hollywood Live Extra. Hollywood Live
0: Extra, a product of
1: American Urban Radio Networks.